is the city that started it all. It's a beautiful day. He's going to unleash one. Oh! Sheffield Wednesday celebrate. Billy Sharp, you do not leave that man unmarked in the box. Sheffield United have the lead. the latest football news from Sheffield and beyond. This is Shoe Football Forum. Good afternoon. Welcome along to the final edition of Football Forum here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music. Jez Fadfield here. Josh Chapman and Connor Thorpe provide the analysis as always. Afternoon, fellas. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It is the show where we discuss the Blades and the Owls and there's all the big talking points from across British and European football as well. So here's what's to come for the final time this afternoon. No, we're not having a Slav, and we are not joking either. Slavisa Jakanovic has been appointed Sheffield United manager. It's all a mess down at S6. Chansiri celebrates his birthday, but some players potentially look to hand their notice in. In the top stories, Brentford win the £170 million game to seal their first Premier League season. And who has Gareth picked for his England squad? We'll, we'll have the latest. We also turn our attention to England's friendly games in preparation for the upcoming European Championships. And we finally reveal the winner of Unpredictable. On Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music and on your smart speaker. Alexa, play Shoe Football Forum. We are still Sheffield Hallam's number one football show. This is Football Forum. And it's live. So thanks for joining us here on Football Forum for the last time in two and a half years. It's been a while, um, but we do have to call it a day. Uh, For the final time, it is down to me to bring you this week's quiz question. And, uh, well, here we go. I am looking for... Now, uh, we all know that Chelsea won the Champions League on Saturday night. So I am looking for... The, the players, and there are six of them, that have won all of the Premier League, the Champions League, and the World Cup. Now, I could include the Euros as well, but that would only leave you with uh, three, I think. So, we'll leave it at six. Six players have won all the Premier League, the Champions League, and the World Cup at least once. And can you name any of those six players and uh, I will give you the answer at the end of this final edition of Football Forum. So we're going to start with, well, it was a toss up between United and Wednesday because both have got some big news. I think we do have to start with Sheffield United, primarily because this bit of news has been waiting in the wings for a while and uh, we haven't got round to, uh, to bring in reaction to it. But Chappers, after quite a while since Chris Wilder left in March. Um, we have now finally got a new manager at Bramall Lane, Slavisa Jakanovic, the first foreign manager to be appointed as Sheffield United manager. And uh, worth pointing out up top that it is the first team manager he's been appointed as, not a head coach. Chappers, we have been waiting for a new manager and uh, we've got a good one uh, when it comes to cha- tackling the championship. Yeah, very excited by um, this appointment. Jukanovic is a is the person that I wanted straight away. Um, of all the list of names uh, on the bookies, um, Jukanovic was the one who, uh, well, was the only one really that I was excited by, um, apart from maybe Alexander Blessing, but obviously that kind of fizzled out because of permit issues. Uh, but no, very excited. Obviously, we, we know his track record with, with Watford and with Fulham, getting them both promoted. Fulham, obviously, um, via the playoffs, but eight, the all count. Um, I don't really think he got much of an opportunity in the Premier League um, with either club, really, for different reasons. Um, but I'm, I'm excited for, for him to come in. Obviously, he's been out in Qatar uh, most recently. He's still there. He's running down his contract there, or he's ending his contract there, and then he'll come back uh, across to United. But um, he's, do, he's done pretty well out there. He's, he's got Al Garafa fourth in, in the Qatari league over there. 
Um, and yeah, I'm very excited by his style of play. Um, it might see a bit of a change to our system. Obviously, he doesn't usually utilise a, a 5-3-2 or a 3-5-2 formation. It's usually a variation of 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 or uh, something like that. Um, but I think a change of shape, change of formation would be good for us. Um, I think we've got the players to do it. Um, and, I, I, and I really hope that he comes in and, and you know fulfils the expectations that a lot of Sheffield United fans have of him. Um, he comes very highly regarded, like I say, with his promotions to the Premier League. Um, and hopefully he does a does a good job with us um, as well. My one concern, is, and I don't, I, I really hope this doesn't happen, and I've made this comparison before, but I just hope he's not another kind of Nigel Adkins figure, i.e. everybody wants him. He's got a great CV. You know, he's he's got the experience to, um, to prove that he's, he's got out of divisions in the right way, um, but he ends up not delivering. Um, so I really hope that's not the case. I'm sure it won't be. Uh, but no, very excited by Jukanovic's appointment and uh, hopefully when he does join us as first team manager, which, like you say, Joseph, is very interesting. I thought it was going to be a head coach role. As first team manager, he'll uh, he'll hit the ground running, um, make his recruitment uh, good, bring in some, some experience, well, some quality players in positions that we're desperately lacking, i.e. midfield. Um, and we hit the ground running come pre-season. It's worth pointing out, obviously, Slavisa Jukanovic has got two championship promotions on his CV already with Fulham and with Watford, looking to make it a hat-trick with United. Um, but it's it's worth pointing out, though, that Jukanovic obviously has come in. Someone had to come in. And a lot of United fans, myself included, are quite going to be, well, the fan base is going to be detached from the club and probably still is now as a result of, of the fallout after Wilder. So how important is it for, for Jukanovic to to mend that and, and get the fans back on side um, as soon as possible? I don't think it's quite as, as bad as the fans are detached from the club. I think the fans were angry at the way Chris Wilder left um, and pointed a lot of that anger at the Prince um, and the board. And, you know, as I said, as I've said previously, you know, the Prince took a, a great deal of stick um, for the way Chris Wilder left, but maybe, maybe fans' opinions have changed on on that whole situation. I know my opinions changed. Um, it certainly looks a little bit more like it was a, a Chris Wilder throwing his toys out rather than anything else. Um, but I, I do think it's important that Jukanovic kind of brings the fans back, um, that we bring back attractive winning football to, to Bramall Lane. Um, something we've not really seen this year, especially the winning football part. Um, we've we've not seen that very much at all in the in the last season. Um, so I think that's it's absolutely vital that you know that that style of play is there, uh, that excitement's there, that quality is back, and and getting three points on the board regularly is is back and just stop losing games. I think that's absolutely vital for him. Um, and I think if he did one thing, it would be to stop losing games because, um, as as we've seen, it can get pretty toxic at times if if United are just losing game after game after game. And I think in some respects, United players have been very lucky in the fact that fans haven't been there um, in grounds this season because I think feelings would have been made known. Um, so, yeah, I think it's very important. He's got, a, he's got a huge job to do. And I think whilst I think the spine of the team is there, he does need to rebuild in quite a few areas and bring in some quality players ready to go again for the Championship. And obviously winning football is what United fans hope to to, to come back to obviously some fans did come back for that last game against Burnley and a 1-0 victory Chappers obviously we didn't we haven't covered it we didn't cover it at the time but uh, your thoughts on uh, on, a, on a decent end to the season in fact I thought we played well um, I thought we it was like a Sheffield United performance of old really where you know we were defending well um, we, we took a chance and we goal it with a great finish from 20 odd yards um, I don't really think we had a great deal of chances apart from that, to be honest. But, you know, that was similar to a similar story to the previous season where we didn't have loads of chances, but we took them and, and held on for a win. And yeah, it was just nice to end the season on, with a victory, to be honest. And, and like I say, it was nice to see a few performances that really did improve um, from, well, the majority of the season, really. So, yeah, nice way to round off. And, uh, you know, I just, just need to say as well that I think Paul Hackingbottom in in difficult circumstances has done a, a very good job. Um, I don't think anybody expected him to come in and get any wins and, you know, to get three wins out of the games he had left 
um, in such difficult circumstances is is excellent, really. And I think he's done a he has done a very good job. That said, I'm glad he's not got the full time position, but I think it's uh, it's definitely worth crediting him to you know to say thank you for the job that he's done. Indeed, uh, Derby County still hold the record for the uh, the most. Uh, no, sorry, we are, we're joint with uh, with Derby on 29 defeats in a Premier League season, but. Uh, we haven't got the record of uh, of most uh, of uh, fewest goals scored in a season because that is joint as well on twenty. So uh, we've done okay, not uh, not too bad. Uh, Chappers has got some breaking news. Yeah, absolutely. Just a, a quick one to say that the Sheffield United's retained list has uh, been announced. Uh, they've just announced it, and I'll read you the statement. It says, following the conclusion of the 2020-2021 campaign. Sheffield United's official retained and released list have been submitted. Phil Jagielka, John Lundstrom, Simon Moore and Jack Rodwell will depart the club when their contracts expire this summer, as will youngsters Ashton Hall and Tommy Williams. Ethan Ampadu will react to, uh, sorry, return to his parent club, Chelsea, following a season-long loan. The club wishes all the departing players best wishes for their future endeavours and would like to thank them for their service to Sheffield United. Meanwhile, Kian Bryan has been offered new terms. So that's Jagielka, John Lundstrom, Simon Moore and Jack Rodwell all leaving the club, as well as Ashton Hall and Tommy Williams. Right. So that's quite interesting. And uh, in all honesty, from my initial take on that, I'm not so sure about Jagielka because... I was originally thinking he's probably going to hang up his boots and move into like a, a a coaching role at the club, but he did say on social media the other days. I'm the other day. I'm not finished yet. So my thought is, will he go somewhere else? I mean, Chappers, you can obviously give your immediate reaction to it. Uh, finally, it has taken as God knows how long, but we can confirm that John Lundstrom is going from Sheffield United. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I don't want to be horrible to him, but thank heavens he's, he's not been very good for us at all this season. You can tell he doesn't want to be at the club. Um, he's caused me to have many um, annoyed moments, uh, shall we say. And I'm, I'm glad he's leaving, to be honest. Um, he had one good season last year, um, but really hasn't done it this year. And, uh, you know, thankfully he's going. In terms of Jagielka, I'm a little bit sad to see Jagielka leave. I think we all knew it was going to come. I'm not quite sure what was going to be next because, like you say, Hadfield, I kind of expected him to retire. Um, and maybe he isn't going to do, but I don't know. I, I don't really know about Jagielka. Simon Moore, um, I'm not really that fussed about. You know, he, he was instrumental for us in our League One campaign, was a very good goalkeeper. An all-round lovely bloke as well, um, but you know hasn't played for us for a long time properly anyway, apart from a couple of cameos in the FA Cup a couple of seasons ago. Um, and it was time for him to move on and find some football elsewhere. Well, he's still got um, years left. And Jack Rodwell, well, <laughs> what a horrendous signing that was. Um, you know, pretty pointless to be honest. Um, but you know, I don't want to say he was stealing the wage. Not really fussed about him at all. Um, so he can go and do whatever he wants, steal away somewhere else. But yeah, Simon Moore, thirty-one, he'll get, he'll be snapped up by a probably a lower end championship club, top end league one maybe. Um, he's a good goalkeeper, but you know he's not going to get in front of the in front of the goalkeepers we've currently got here. So you know he might as well go and uh, find somewhere else to to play his football. Indeed. So, uh, so there you are. There is Sheffield United's uh, retained and released list, and uh, Sheffield United will prepare for life in the Championship. A, a rather, uh, well, a bit of an unexpected Championship season, shall we say, to come. Uh, but for now, that does wrap up. Finally, Sheffield United bringing you the latest football news from Sheffield and beyond. This is Shoe Football Forum. You with Football Forum here on Spotify. Much appreciate your your company for the final program of the show. Now United is done, and it's on to Wednesday. And Connor, well, Sheffield Wednesday Football Club. This saga goes on, and after uh, last we did a program. Obviously, Wednesday's relegation was confirmed down to League One. We thought things couldn't get much worse. And then we find out last night, well, the, the Sheffield Star is exclusively revealed that uh, a, quite a number of uh, already contracted players 
were prepared to uh, to hand their notice in or are preparing to hand their notice in um, which players are allowed to do if they haven't been paid within two months and uh, if they still haven't been paid after they've handed the notice in within 15 days, I think it is, they uh, they have the means of uh, terminating their contracts. And uh, for Sheffield Wednesday, really, on Chancery's birthday of all days, the 1st of June, well, we can see what it says on the script. I'm not going to repeat it, um, but it is an absolute mess at the moment, your club. Yeah, it's um, a mess, a disgrace, whatever word you want to use to sum it up, really. It's something that I've seen coming for quite a while. You know, when I when I was um, always being against Chancery, you know, you sometimes come up with these comments like he's going to take us into liquidation and you, you probably don't mean it when you say it at the time, but I mean... It wouldn't surprise you now. Nothing would surprise you because it's just disaster after disaster, and it's it's obviously something that's plagued us throughout the season. Um, and it's you know it was something that actually the first report of this came back in November 2019 when COVID didn't exist. Oh, sorry, December 2019 when COVID didn't exist. It was a report in the Sun claiming that the players received a maximum of seventeen thousand pounds of their wages in November and told that the rest would be delayed before the club settled the outstanding debts later. So, you know, that was something that didn't feel too massive at the time. And I think Gary Monk came out and denied it. Um, but the, the fact that these incidents have happened throughout the second half of 2020, um, you know, it's happened. So right at the end of June, happened in November 2020, happened in December. And there was obviously the... The PFA being called in to offer advice to the players after the, the club failed to pay them on time. That was in December, December seventeenth. Uh, uh, PFA writing to Chancery asking for clarity over the unpaid wages issue on the twenty first of December. Um, then Chancery revealed that the delay had been resolved on New Year's Eve last year, and then it came back up again in January and and then May, and it, and it's just been a disaster. Um, and you do wonder why, you know, we sit here and slag the players off for their performances in the second half of last season. You know, questioning their desire and work rate. Well, it doesn't happen. It doesn't help if you're not getting paid. You know, if if I, if you had a job and you weren't getting paid by your company, then you wouldn't try your best, would you? And I know people say that they're footballers and they should get on with it, and they've got they're on great money anyway. But if you're a footballer. And you're earning that money, then your expenses are also footballer expenses, your mortgage is higher, stuff like that. So I'm not saying they're going to be financially, you know, in, in serious financial trouble because of it. But certainly if you're a player, it'd, it'd make you think twice about giving your all for the cause. And, um, you know, what we're seeing now is has got to be the straw that's that's broken the camel's back. I'm, I've made my feelings clear towards Chancery probably for about two years now. I've been actively wanting him out really since the first transfer embargo. Um, not not everybody agreed with me then, uh, but I think that's shifting. I think uh, not many people will disagree with me now when, when we say that we need him to sell the club. And I know it's not that simple, but this club will never be successful until he, until he leaves because he doesn't have a clue how to run a football club. He's shown that over a, a long period of time. It's getting worse and worse. I feel it, I fear it will get even worse. Um, you know, this could be could go into administration if it's not resolved. This is how teams like Berry and Bolton, when they were first in trouble, the, the Macclesfield, this is the sort of thing that was hanging over them for quite a while. And Bolton got out of it, got new owners. Uh, Wigan, theirs was a lot more sudden. They got out of it. Um but unfortunately, Barry and Macclesfield didn't. And you do wonder where this is going to lead to because it's it's certainly not going to get any better. And, and the, we knew that we had cash flow problems, financial problems, and, and obviously that will be helped. Touch wood when we can get fans back into stadiums next season, hopefully at large capacity, certainly at Hillsborough anyway, you know, we'd get 17,000 in League One probably. Even if it was socially distanced and you couldn't have full capacities, then that wouldn't affect us as much as if we had a much smaller ground. Um, but the issue that we've got now is that if these players can walk away on a free, which I wouldn't blame them for if they haven't been paid for two months, that is potentially assets that we could have sold to raise cash to bring in other players 
just completely out of the window. Start from scratch with probably a, a young academy team, a bit like Wigan had to do last at the start of last season, uh, and Bolton at the start of the season before when they were in League One. Um, and all of us, all of a sudden, you were looking at. Well, I was valuing Windass at at least one million, possibly up to two. That's gone. Bannon, you probably could have got a couple of million for him. I know he's on the, the wrong side of 30, but he's still a top-class championship player. Definitely could have got some money for him. And then Dominic Iorfa, maybe if he proves his fitness during July and in the early weeks of the season, you could have got a good couple of million for Iorfa. I think it was at least five million that were moot, that was mooted for him last, last season when Watford were coming calling. So that's money down the drain again. Add to that the, the money of relegation down the drain, seven and a half, eight million. Um, and it is absolutely dire. And statement from the supporters trust at the minute, which I think is doing a good job at the minute, you know, to try and work towards positive solutions. It's definitely a different tone to this statement. Enough is enough. That's obviously a classic line saying that Chancery has to be honest with the fans about the reality of our financial situation. Um, and then the, the trustees go, going to survey members this week on a range of possible actions. I've just joined the club, so I'll be involved in this. Um, these include moving away from a, an owner-neutral position, uh, possible protest action to pressure for change and how we might respond to the club entering administration, which just looks more and more likely every passing month now. You know, it was something that was... Oh, it's just FFP. Hopefully it'll sort itself out and we'll take the points deduction and move on, start fresh, a bit like Birmingham did. Uh, but it now seems that we have serious financial problems that go beyond that. Um, so if if we can't get fans in stadiums then at the start of next season, then I, I worry even more. I worry as it is, to be fair, and especially if these players walk away, um, it's, it's going to be very difficult. And that's the thing. There's no point me sitting here and saying to you, what should the club do? What should Chancery do? Because as you say, every, you've been on this programme for two and a half years and you've pretty much been saying exactly the same thing. Chancery needs to go. And the fact that a club like, and I've said, said this before on this programme, a club like Sheffield Wednesday, as historic and as big as it is, bigger than Sheffield United, I'll admit that, they are bigger than Sheffield United. But the fact that Sheffield Wednesday Football Club are, are, in, are potentially going towards administration. It, it, it's a disgrace, and it, it just it just says to me that he, he's dra he's dragging it into the ground. And I do I do feel for you fans because as much as I, I I despise Sheffield Wednesday, I do feel for the fans because let's be fair, you're starting League One in twentieth position, obviously because of uh, alphabetical order. Now I I sort of had a bit of half a joke on Twitter yesterday. That's probably the highest you're going to finish. You can hope to finish 20th out of the relegation zone because it wouldn't surprise me that you that you get another points deduction, and potentially even worse, you could possibly be going under within the next six months to a year. That's how serious I think this is. There's a lot of challenges ahead, uh, but what it needs first and foremost is a statement from the club. You know, they can't, be, they can't have radio silence on this. I'm hoping that this is a call to action from the players and I'm hoping that this makes Chancery realise the gravity of the situation and how much of a dire state we'd be in if players do walk away. Um, and hopefully that will kick him into action to sort this out somehow because it's his responsibility. He owns the club and um, he's got to find a way of sorting this uh, because this is a long, long, over 150 years of history and it's, it's at risk at the minute. And um, yeah, that's the most worrying thing about for, for any football fan, really. Indeed. So Sheffield Wednesday will start life in League One next season. Whether it is on zero points, we will see whether they even start the season is yet to be decided. But that is United and Wednesday done and dusted. And Chappers, it's not a local roundup. But um, as it's the last one, do you want to give us a summary of where all the local sides will be playing next season? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a uh, one of the key one of the key results that's still yet to be decided is where Chesterfield are going to be playing next season. And uh, after a, an absolutely monumental second half of the season from the end of November, um, Chesterfield found themselves finishing in sixth position in the National League table, uh, which 
<laughs> has been an absolutely outstanding achievement finishing as high as sixth, considering that before James Rowe had come in, I think they played nine games and only won two of them and lost the other seven. So he's he's done an absolutely mon- monumental job. And the, the difficulty becomes where the National League's playoffs uh, situation is, is con- um, confirmed because, first of all, teams four to seven play in a quarterfinal. Um, so Chesterfield will be playing Notts County, but it's only a one-leg game, which I do find a little bit unfair considering that Notts County are the only team that can have fans in. You know, Chesterfield can't. They did finish higher, though. Well, that is <laughs> true. Yeah, they did finish higher. That is, that is very true. But for it to only be one leg, I do think that's a little bit unfair. I think it should be an even playing field. And obviously then if they get through uh, that game, if Chesterfield win that game, then they either play Torquay or Sutton. Um, sorry, Torquay or Stockport even. And then for a chance to play in the final against the winner of the other game and they could be playing in League 2 next season um, so that would be an absolutely monumental achievement for Chesterfield fans Barnsley obviously after just missing out on the, the playoff final will be playing their football again in the Championship next year uh, Rotherham well they look to go again in League 1 after missing out on survival on the final day uh, thanks to a late goal um, in the Card- a game against Cardiff uh, away at the Cardiff City Stadium if they'd held on Rotherham would have stayed up uh, based on the result in the Derby on Wednesday game. Obviously, Wednesday, as we know, we'll be playing in League One. And Donny Rovers, after what looked like a good season for Donny Rovers, where they were going to finish in the playoffs and potentially get promoted back to the Championship, they really did fall away since, well, from end of January, beginning of February, really. And uh, they'll look to go again um, in League One next season uh, with Richie Wellens as their new boss. So uh, lots of uh, lots of things up for, up for grabs for our teams, but the, the season's not quite over for one of them, and that is Chesterfield, and they play Notts County away this Saturday afternoon. So very, very exciting. Indeed. The Vanarama Eliminators. That sounds like a new type of van, doesn't it? As something that... Uh... It sounds like some weird superhero film, doesn't it? <laughs> The Vanarama Eliminators, but uh, I suppose the advantage of them in the quarterfinals is at least Chesterfield get a playoff spot. Otherwise, if it was just two to five, they would have missed out. So uh, there's always an advantage. Yeah, that is very true. But to be fair, I do think the the way that promotion is well sorted in the National League is flawed anyway. I don't understand why only the top keep, top team can go up. I think more probably needs to come down from League Two. I don't understand why they don't just have it regimented between Championship League 1 and League 2. I don't get that, but... Don't be saying that. will be in League 2 soon, so... <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. Hey, what do I know? Uh, so, cheers for that, Chappers. And uh, that is all the uh, domestic scenario sorted now. And uh, our attention is going to turn to the international scene in just a minute. This is Sheffield Hallam's number one football show. This is Shoe Football Forum. So, thank you for your company. This is the final edition of Football Forum here on Spotify. Uh, so, just to quickly mention the uh, the playoff finals because they have happened. Uh, Brentford are playing in the Premier League next season. A two 0 victory for them against Swansea. Uh, Blackpool will be playing championship football and uh, United will be heading to Bloomfield Road next season uh, after a 2-1 victory against Lincoln City in the League One playoff final. Uh, And Sheffield Wednesday will be travelling to Morecambe next season after Morecambe won after extra time with a 1-0 victory over Newport County. And uh, Padre Gamond has got League Two football next season. Uh, What's his name again? Carlos Mendez Gomez, I think I'm right in saying. He will be coming to Hillsborough next season. So uh, onwards we go to England, because even though I got my maths wrong and uh, the England squad isn't being announced until five o'clock on Tuesday afternoon, we're recording. We thought it was coming out at one o'clock. So never mind. But we believe uh, from uh, trusted sources that we know the, uh, the seven players that will be dropped by Gareth Southgate and uh, for his final 26-man European Championship squad. And as we expected, or we could pretty much see, Aaron Ramsdale is the goalkeeper that will not be selected, apparently. Uh, we already know that Mason Greenwood has withdrawn as a result of an, uh, an ongoing injury. Jesse Lingard will not be chosen either. Trent Alexander-Arnold, um, Max Godfrey... Um, 
James Ward-Prowse and Ben White are the others that will apparently, according to what the Daily Mail have said, not be chosen. Chappers, your thoughts on uh, those that haven't potentially not going to be selected? To be fair, I think those seven are probably the ones that most people expected, minus the kind of um, inclusion of uh, Lingard, Trent and Greenwood. Greenwood, we'd know, um, is pulling out through injury. Um, he's he's trying to recover from a, an underlying injury that he's, he's had for a bit. So that's why he's pulling out. Uh, Lingard, see, this is the one for me that I'm a little bit kind of unsure on because he's had a great time on loan at West Ham. I think he did drop away a little bit towards the end of the season. But, you know, he has had a, he had an excellent period at West Ham. But does that make him eligible for play, to play for England? I don't know. Um, there are, England has, a, has an excellent, um, selection of midfielders and the way that Gareth Southgate likes to play isn't necessarily one that fits Jesse Lingard's style you know we all know he likes to play with two defensive midfielders um, you know generally Mason Mount will play in the hole you've got your two wide players is Lingard going to get a, a sniff probably not so maybe I'm unsurprised by that so yeah apart from that I think the, they're the ones we expected Ramsdale I didn't expect to go although I would have liked to have gone instead of Sam Johnston Ben Godfrey was definitely there just to make the numbers up as was Ben White I'm a little bit disappointed James Ward-Prowse isn't going because I think he, he is a very very good midfielder uh, all round and I don't really like Calvin Phillips I've made that particularly clear a number of times I don't think he's very good I don't think he's England standard um, so I would quite like to have seen James Ward-Prowse in there if for nothing else than his free kick taking uh, but apart from that, I don't think there's any major surprises. And Connor, obviously, you are going to be uh, seeing uh, one of the England warm-up games that we'll touch on in a few minutes. Both. Oh, both of them. Sorry. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. Making two trips to Middlesbrough in four days, which I never thought I'd be doing. <laughs> I do apologise. Um, so, um, these seven that, that we believe to have gone uh, to, to not be selected, do you think Southgate has, has made the right call or do you think that there's some that that should be in or even some that weren't on the 33 that technically should be going to the Euros. Tomorrow should be going to the Euros. Um, you know, over, over, over Mings, over Cody. I think he should be probably our third choice centre back. Um, I wouldn't have taken, I suppose that the difficulty is that there is a real lack of left footed centre backs and it does give you a better balance and better passing angles when playing out from the back. Um, which is what England will be doing, certainly in the Scotland and Czech Republic games, you'd, you'd have thought. Um, so I can understand why Mings has been taken, but from a defensive point of view, he always has a mistake in him, um, especially you'd think at international level in, in, the, in the sort of massive games. So, yeah, it's um, I can't really pick, like I'm not strongly against any of the decisions. I think, I think the thing that is disappointing from mainly from his point of view, but also from an England point of view, is Mason Greenwood, obviously having to pull out with injury. He is England's second best finisher behind Harry Kane, I think. And I think if you're chasing a game, you want to bring somebody on who, you know, is unbelievable at working a yard of space in the box and, and scoring from any angle. I think Greenwood would have been a good man to take. So that's disappointing, but good to see Ollie Watkins get a chance and... Yeah, looking forward to it. I don't take massive issues. I think the argument for Ward-Prowse, I think I maybe would have gone for him over Phillips just because of set pieces. They can really make a difference, as we saw in the 2018 World Cup. I, I don't I don't dislike Calvin Phillips at all. I think he's a decent player, but I think you've got to play him in that one role, which is a single, a single defensive midfielder in a 4-3-3. And I think when he's played for England, He's not been played in his best role. And when he wasn't in his best role before Bielsa, he was an average championship player. So I think sometimes you take a really good player, you take a good player who fits into a system, a really good system really well, take him out of that and he can struggle a little bit. Um, but I can understand why he doesn't play that role for him because Declan Rice has done it so well. And in the last international break, he was England's man of the match. For me, in both of the games against Albania, and Poland, he was our man of the match in both, and playing that role, really shielding the back, the back four really well, and that's what Phillips does well for Leeds. So that's the difficulty in that situation. I think when you're asking Phillips to push up a little bit more, receive the ball higher up, I think that's when he looks a little bit lost. 
we shall see wh- who is picked. We believe it is those seven. And uh, obviously, by the time this has gone up and is out there and you're listening to this, you'll probably know who is the final 26-man squad. Um, England, we do say, have got two uh, sort of warm-up friendlies ahead of the European Championships. Connor will be at them both, and uh, we'll preview them in just a second. Joseph, Josh and Connor, this is Football Forum, only on Shoe Radio. Thanks for joining us here on Football Forum. Right, England have got these two uh, warm-up friendlies. The first one is against Austria tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. And then they've got Romania uh, on Sunday at 5 o'clock. Both of them at the Riverside in Middlesbrough, as we say. And uh, while I probably will watch uh, the one on Sunday, I'll have to do the dual screen uh, because France are playing Wales tomorrow night and my eyes have definitely got to be on that one. Uh, but Connor, obviously, you will be at both games. Uh, what are you looking forward to? Well, apart from being back at a football stadium. <laughs> well, yeah, being in a in a football stadium watching top players play would, is, is going to be nice. Obviously, I, I have been to a couple of games uh, in the season just gone, and they were good. But I suppose being back in a a, a big stadium ish, biggish stadium watching England is going to be great. First time I'll have been to an England game since the end of 2019 when we beat Montenegro 7-0. So I'm looking forward to that, looking forward to the day out. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, some players that we think might not start in the the main games, sort of try and stake a claim for their place. Um, That's probably going to be key. You look at the lads who played in the Champions League final won't be involved, I don't think, in this one. Or if they do, it'll certainly be substitute appearances. Because you know they've played on on Saturday night, they'll have celebrated. So the Chelsea players, I know the Man City players won't have, but I think it makes sense to give them a, a week's rest to then use them in the Romania game, um, the Austria game. For that reason, I think it's going to be a real challenge. I'm not so, I'm not sure what sort of lineup they'll go with, but they've got a really good squad. Austria, you know, there's plenty of, of talent in there. You think of the likes of of David Alaba, who has just gone to Real Madrid. You know, there's players that we've seen in the Bundesliga, Martin Hinteregger, for example. You've got Sabitzer in midfield, who I rate very highly. Conrad Leimer, who I think's had his injury problems because he's not played much football this year. But when he's fit, very good player, really energetic. Uh, and I love watching him. Christoph Baumgartner as well at Hoffenheim, really from the Bundesliga action I saw, particularly last season. And then you've got the mercurial Marco Onautovic, who's a obviously an interesting character. So there's plenty of quality in that Austria squad. I think it'll be a good test. Um, certainly, if we do have to rotate, then it'll be, a, it'll be a tricky test. And I think that's exactly what we want. And I'd like to see Jude Bellingham start because for me, I don't think he's far off starting for the in, in the first team. For the, Sorry, not in the first team, but in, in the actual games, I think it's it'd be foolish just to discount him and write him off. I think there's a really good chance he could start depending on what system we play. If it's a 4-3-3, you'd probably fancy him to start. If it's a 4-2-3-1, he might want to play two more orthodox sitting midfielders in, in Henderson and Rice and then maybe Mason Mount ahead of them. If you play a 4-3-3 and you have two sort of advanced number eights, then maybe Bellingham can fit into one of those roles, maybe alongside Mount. If Henderson isn't fit, um, especially maybe Rice in there as well. So... That, I think, for me, Bellingham has to start. These these games are massive for Jack Grealish as well. We talk about his lack of fitness, not playing long, uh, not playing much recently for Villa because of his injury. Well, people seem to forget he's actually got the opportunity to play twice within the space of four days. Not sure it'd be the best idea to give him 180 minutes in those games, but certainly to start him, I'd start him in both, maybe give him full game against Austria and an hour against Romania or the other way around. I think that would be the best way to sort of build Grealish up because we know how good of a player he can be, but we want him fully fit. Um, and, you know, I'm not I'm not too sure how far Harry Maguire is off. I think, you know, in an ideal situation, maybe it's probably unrealistic to expect him to be back tomorrow, but maybe on Sunday, if he can play a part in the game, get some uh, minutes into his legs ahead of the opening game, maybe that's a, a bit ambitious I'm not sure but certainly it's a good chance to integrate some of the younger players some of the players with less caps into the setup give them a game with 
with no consequences if we do lose and see what they're like and build build fitness up. You know, I'm not too concerned about the results in these games. Obviously, wins would be nice for confidence, but those things that I've just mentioned are, are more important. And Chappers, obviously, uh, we don't have to predict these, um, but uh, how do you see these two games going? Obviously, as Connor says, it'd be nice to win them both, um, but really the pressure is off. Yeah, absolutely. It would be nice to win both. Um, the two definitely winnable games, um, especially the Romania game. I think Connor's right in, in saying that the Austria team does have a lot of quality in it. Um, well, in, in some respects, um, they, they do have some good players in. Um, obviously not necessarily a recognised team that you generally expect to you know, wipe the floor with uh, with other teams, but they are a, they are a decent outfit. But I think, it, like, I think like Connor says, it, it provides a perfect opportunity to, to build a bit of confidence um, in the two games um, and try and score some goals, especially against Romania, who, you know, no disrespect to them, aren't a great footballing nation. Um, and I think it would be, you know, it's, it provides a great opportunity to get a few players out there who, are struggling for fitness at the moment, try and build that up, give them a bit of game time, uh, but also get, um, you know, get the get the get the strikers scoring, um, you know, get players uh, working with each other, creating, um, and I think that provides perfect. These two games provide a perfect opportunity for that. Right. So England playing against Austria and then Romania, um, as we say, both on ITV to uh, Wednesday night and uh, Sunday evening for those right we are not going to predict them because there's really no point and anyway the competition has finished so we're moving on from England and uh, we have got to announce the winner of Unpredictable and that comes in just a minute and obviously uh, we are going to be finishing this series and this program but we're going out with a bang with the European Championships that mountain that they need to climb is getting steeper every week I honestly I think we're in big trouble it's rotten to the core to be honest it's not a good time to be a Sheffield United fan 2-1 defeat away at the Figgin Connor at Figgin 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 I don't know where did that come I'm from tight. the biggest guest oh morning mate All right. cheers, cheers guys Joseph Hadfield oh goodness me Sobosilia <laughs> Josh Chapman oh wow it was awful Connor Thorpe it was a, an absolutely massive win Cardinal Redis <laughs> <laughs> Cardin wow. already. I can't believe I've just said <laughs> We are still Sheffield Hallam's number one football show. This is Football Forum, only on Shoe Radio. Yes, Football Forum releasing uh, the European Championship previews uh, next, or yeah, next Thursday. Uh, God, myself and Connor are going to be sick of interviews and editing come next, at the end of next week. That is to come, and obviously... Throughout the European Championships, you will have us three in your ears to bring you all the reaction from this summer's tournament. Right. It is that time of unpredictable. And, uh, well, the scores on the doors, we know, um, because we were uh, speaking off air throughout the weekend. Chappers, we can confirm that you have come last. And we knew that uh, quite a while ago. It's not the winning. It's not the winning. It is. It's the taking part that counts. 242 points for yourself this series. Hey, that's quite good, though, that, isn't it? That was better than last year. Yeah, not not bad indeed. I'll um, take it. I'll take from, it. From, 30, from 39 rounds, 242 points, not bad. Now, Connor, we remember last series, I won by seven points. This series, with three games to go, we were exactly the same. But with a margin and a winning margin of eight points, you have won unpredictable this series. 294 points against my 286. So, Congratulations, uh, Connor. Thank you. It was, a, it was a comeback, wasn't it, this weekend with uh, three correct scores, I believe. Yep, you got 15 points from the Champions League final and the three playoffs. I mean, I was I was praying for Newport to win 1-0, so then you get a complete clean sweep. So was I. I'd have won a bet then as well. But 294 points, me 286, and Chappers on 242. So when I do see you next week, I will bring the trophy to you. And Chappers, the bronze medal will definitely be in the post because I think I'm right in saying, I can't remember who won Super 6 in Series 1. No, I can't I think, either. 
I think you came last in that as well. More than likely. So uh, more than likely. The one thing we can take from this is Josh Chapman, who predicts more football matches than anyone else is useless at predicting football matches. Absolutely right. Uh, um, I'll stick with that. Yes. So, uh, Connor, well done. Uh, you have won Unpredictable, and the trophy will stay with you. And that, after two and a half years of this program, is pretty much that. It's uh, I've worked it out last night. 140 editions of this program. I probably it's I've not worked it out, but it, I imagine it's it's nigh on near a week in total in hours of content we've produced over two and a half years. Three series and uh, three lads talking absolute arse about football, as Chappers rightly put it. Um, just before we go, it is time for the quiz question to give you the answer for that. And I was looking for the six players that have uh, won the Premier League, the Champions League and the World Cup. Answers, gentlemen. I think this is a tough one. Oh, yeah, this came up in a group chat that I mean, yesterday, a couple of days ago, and I didn't actually look at it, which is probably unfortunate. Uh, There's surely got to be some City player. There is no Man City player in this list. Man United player. I was going to say Bastian Schweinsteiger, but I don't think he won the Premier League with Man United. Nope, Bastian Schweinsteiger's not on here. Thomas Muller. No. Thomas Muller. No. He never played Premier League. No, so I just realised. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell. I'll tell you that there are. Uh, there are three Frenchmen, Torres, Fernando two Torres, Spaniards, and a Brazilian, Fernando Torres. Fernando Torres, no, Liverpool have never really? won the Premier League. You, you can't class Pogba, can you? Because he, he he was at United when they won the league, but he didn't. Really not Pogba, not Pogba. We can say, Engolo Kante is, is the most recent addition. Giroud is another. Giroud is not another. Oh, is he not? Nope, never won the Premier League. Of course, he were at Arsenal when yep. Chelsea won it, of course. Um, Fabregas two. Fabregas no obviously oh. Arsenal didn't win didn't win the Premier they weren't at Chelsea when they won it I think um, yeah, I'm just trying to think of um, Jerome Boateng was he at Man City when they won it not Boateng no oh no he weren't I think there's two two Spaniards you've got two Frenchmen left and you've got a Brazilian also not a German not okay. a German William no not William, no. It's Brazilian. It's Fat Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Not Fat Ronaldo. Fat Ronaldo's never played in the Premier. Brazil one's quite a while ago. Shall I put you out your misery with the Brazilian? Yeah, go on then. Giuliano Belletti. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have that. Well, he won the Prem with Chelsea in 09-10, won the Champions League in 05-06 with Barca and won the 2002 World Cup with Brazil. So you've got two Spaniards and two Frenchmen. Xavi Alonso. Not Javi Alonso. De Gea. Not David De Gea, no. This is not going well. It's not going well, is it? Um, right, well, I can, I can tell you that the two Frenchmen both won the World Cup in 1998, obviously. Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry is one, obviously. Won the Premier League with Arsenal, Champions League at Barcelona and the 98 World Cup. One more Frenchman. See, I was just thinking the like the most recent French team. No, ninety-eight World Cup. Marcel Dizon, not Desailly, won the Champions League with Marseille in nineteen ninety-three. Yeah, this might be difficult. Yeah, obviously a bit before my time. Yep, and uh, won the Premier League with Manchester United in two thousand and one and two thousand and three. It went to the Deschamps, was it? Nope, I'll put you out of your misery. Fabien Bartes. Uh, so you're looking for two Spaniards who both won the World Cup in 2010. This should be easy, shouldn't it? And in should fact, be. I will also say have both won the Champions League with Barcelona in, 20, uh, in 2011, 2009 and 2015. Uh, Fabregas. That's Fabregas. Not Fabregas. Plus, no, he didn't play in the Premier League. Lorente. Not Lorente. Pepe Reina. Not Pepe Reina. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Victor Valdez. Not Victor Valdez. Juan oh, Mata. Maybe. Not Juan Mata. <laughs> uh, I think I'm out of ideas here. No, right. I'll put you out your misery. Uh, one of them, Manchester United in 2008. Bit of an obscure one. Gerard Piquet. I didn't even realise you were there. 
Yeah. Got it with there. Yeah. And the other one won it most recently with Chelsea in 2017. Pedro. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. That's a classic one that always comes up. Yeah, there you are. The, so the six players to have won all the Premier League, Champions League and World Cup are Engolo Kante, Giuliano Belletti, Fabian Bartes, Pedro, Gerard Piquet and Thierry Henry. So there you go. And that's the decent question on which to finish. So that is that from Football Forum. Now, we don't know if we will be returning. We hope to be returning on a new platform. But if we do, we will let you know over the summer. But after two and a half years or a couple of days shy of that, 131 weeks almost since the 29th of November 2018, it's been an it's been an absolute pleasure to bring you this program and to to present it with you two lads has been an absolute joy. Uh, my my thanks has to go to all the guests we've had on over the years, all the guests that I didn't think we were definitely stopping. <laughs> well, in case we are, uh, <laughs> don't say it if we're not. <laughs> but, <laughs> fair enough, but uh, I can say thanks to all the guests we've had on this series and the past and. Uh, all the people behind the scenes in terms of our experts, Lewis, Rob, Andy, uh, and uh, and Hannah as well, our, uh, our graphic designer. Josh we Allen, will be Cheswick. Indeed, uh, as well. So uh, a huge thank you to everyone who's been on Football Forum, being part of the Football Forum family. We will be back for the European Championships that start in a week or two. But from me, from Connor, from Josh, from all the team here on Football Forum, thank you for joining us and goodbye. Shoe Radio. Bringing you the latest football news from Sheffield and beyond. This is Shoe Football Forum.